Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be back in on Tuesday. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr. We are ready to go. Mitch Sherman's going to be with us from The Athletic. We will try and sort out the uh, the Big Ten mess. And this is not a repeat. It is not Groundhog's Day. It is just another Tuesday. Waiting for something from the Big Ten. <laughs> I'm sick of Maybe. I'm absolutely sick of maybe. I don't like no. So give me a yes. Don't just give me an answer. Give me the right answer. But Sherman will uh, help us find that answer with football in the fall. And and he might be, if you're in Lincoln, you're ringing your ears out because it's been like the opening 30 minutes of the Goonies movie where there's non-stop rain and thunderstorms, but at least no snow. Uh, Charlie McBride's going to be with his coach. I think had himself uh, one heck of a uh, Labor Day weekend, so excited to talk with Coach McBride here in one hour. Greg Smith will be with us recruiting insider with HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Get his thoughts on Makai Bayer, linebacker from Jersey that committed on Friday and uh, Greg's assessment of the Keyshawn Green situation. Big time get for the 2020 class that has entered the transfer portal. Welcome to join us. Can get in at 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. If you're in Columbus or Central Nebraska where you're hearing us on our great affiliates, can email chris at hailvarsity.com. First and foremost, a thank you. Thank you to Elijah. Thank you to Damon. Thank you to Cranach. Thank you to Motsi. So Elijah said, I was off Friday. And, and, and I was off. I was absolutely off. I was rolling on in to, to do the afternoon show and driving northbound. And there was a monster cluster bleep of traffic. And it's one of those situations where somebody's headed southbound on 33rd. There is uh, enough room between one bumper and another to make a left turn in a monster truck. And I'm, uh, I'm putting on down the road and I got smoked. It would have been flagged, quite honestly. It would have been flagged as a, uh, it was one of those Kenny Bell hits that we love unless it's you getting hit. So long and short of this, uh, I did not feel well. My my, uh, wrist and my palm are fine. Nothing's broken. Some of you are screaming. Uh, More Elijah, more Damon, more Cranach. I get it. But long and short of it is I got roughed up. Uh, There is probably duct tape on the automobile. And at uh, the 12th hour, Elijah and Damon had to wear their Superman capes. Gentlemen, I love you and thank you for doing that. Saturday morning, 
I did not feel great. And uh, there's a lot of Saturday mornings I don't feel great, but that's by my own doing. This was not that instance. So uh, guys came together and covered me. Motsi had the Southeast-Southwest uh, game Friday night. Bless his soul for doing that. But uh, I'm ibuprofened up, nothing stronger. And uh, away we go. So that's where I was Friday could have been a lot worse, so I'm very blessed and thankful. So, let's get into uh, what's happening. <sighs> you don't have the votes. You do not have the votes, and quite honestly, you do not have the desire from some of the Big Ten presidents, and you do not have the desire, I think, from some of the Big Ten coaches. Walk this line with me. If you're Maryland and if you're Rutgers, what the hell do you care sitting out? You're not losing recruits. You are going to get curb stomped by the Eastern Division. As good as Shiano has been at in, in, in Rutgers, <laughs> they're a tire fire. And why not put off the inevitable? If you're Maryland, well, you didn't have a great year in year one, Loxley. You're two years removed at Maryland from being an eight-win program and almost beating Ohio State. Why go get killed early? You have Michigan. And listen, man, I watched Harbaugh march. I watched Harbaugh protest on Saturday, or at least saw it on social media. He wants to go. Uh, If I'm Michigan State... I want nothing to do with fall football. I haven't even met my team. Not even practiced with my team. If I'm Mel Tucker. So it, it's a mess. I don't know if this thing's at 7-7. Seven to seven. I don't know if this thing's at 8-5. At to, to five. But you need 9. And you don't have 9. And saw on Twitter, Twitter earlier a couple of things. One will get into the politicians sounding off specifically on the Republican side of the aisle from six different states. But two, I mean, Dan Patrick and we, we enjoyed um, having Dan for as many years as he was with ESPN and I respect Dan Patrick and Dan's the last guy there is to throw out a hot take or go with, less than credible or reputable sources. I know the 12, the two thing was off, but not off completely. All right. So what do you have right now? And you have this situation where it's still up in the air. You still have a, a lot of coaches pushing to play and you have continual pushback from the medical community. What you do have is very Sean Eichhorst-esque, and that is silence from your commissioner. So you either need to say no and, and, and chop the head off in finality for any hope of this October date this week. You need to push forward and have a mulligan vote so you can cover your ass because you didn't do it right the first time with the presidents, which was a wonderful Jedi mind trick. Or you need to, 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 let's go to door number three. Imagine yourself as a Nebraska fan and how you felt after 
Byron Bennett's kick went wide left. 94 Orange Bowl, 93 season. You were this close. You were a minute eight away. You were a minute eight away from shocking the college football world as a 17 and a half point underdog to, to Charlie Ward in Florida State. And Nebraska was the better team that night. And you know what? It was a springboard for. It was a springboard for 94. It was a springboard for 95. Not only can Nebraska hang, but they can win. They can compete and beat these these juggernauts at Miami or Florida State or Florida. And for good measure, they tanked on Peyton Manning in Tennessee in a three out of four championship run to say, thanks, T.O. Ohio State is in the situation that Nebraska was in heading into the 94 season. The unfinished business t-shirt, we all had them. Okay? Ohio State has unfinished business with Clemson, with some zebras, and they, hell, they want Bama. Okay? They are not getting that opportunity. Penn State's not getting that opportunity. You've got 110 to 150 kids out about seven programs that are not getting that opportunity. So they're either going to leave or they're going to go train, finish up their fall semester, and, and head to the NFL. And you are going to have an embarrassment of, of, of talent gap with this bastardized spring or December season, or excuse me, January. I'll get my facts right. This January season. So you can hold hands and play grab ass and do whatever you want to do and play with the Pac-12 and go play a Rose Bowl that means nothing. That's what you have if you don't make a decision. And behind door number three, Commissioner Warren, let those who want to play and have approval from their presidents to go play. Doesn't have to be unanimous. You already screwed up the bylaws once. Maybe. Don't know. Because there's an important date looming here with more discovery on September 12th with the process of the vote. You tell Ohio State, go ahead. You tell Penn State. You tell Nebraska. You tell Iowa. You tell Michigan to go ahead. You say those who can and want to do, go play and add a couple of non-conference teams. Figure it out. Figure it out. Get to eight, get to ten, but don't stop those who can and will and want to play from playing. Listen, I get if if Rutgers is like, makes no sense, we're a COVID mess, can't do it. I understand, too. And quite honestly, I, I like Northwestern and I, I hope they play. But if, they're, if their governor shuts them down, they can't do anything about it. But if Indiana and Purdue want to play ball, they should be able to play ball. Or if Purdue doesn't want to play ball, whatever. Uh, Let Indiana move forward. Let those teams, maybe you have seven, maybe you have six, round robin it and and throw in a couple of other teams regionally. And let's play football in the fall. And the, the sticking point you have right now is this. You have a lot of concern about COVID. You have a lot of you have a lot of programs in the Big Ten that they have not had kids around. Okay, their kids because of the the, the practice schedule being 
kind of chopped down to, to 12 hours, you don't have guys around that are as dedicated as some other programs. Guys at Ohio State, guys at Nebraska, guys at Michigan and Penn State, in Iowa, they are ready to go. They are ready to go tomorrow. They are ready to go today. They've kept in shape. They've stayed away from others. They've not been out partying. They've not been to COVID parties. They're ready to go. And they're being told, eh, we don't know yet. There's been no communication. Again, not shocking, not new. It's not Groundhog Day, but it is. This is the week. And you need an answer by Thursday to ramp this thing up, get the teams going for three weeks, and then kick off in October so you can be part of the playoff. And that is an option and an opportunity that you need to allow if you're the commissioner. That way it's a win. Those who don't want to play or can't play or can't get approval, you'll still collect your check. You'll still be able to keep in-person classes open and dorm rooms open so your big payday from the students, if you're Penn State, it's $2 billion. Or if you're Minnesota or if you're Purdue, you can still cash that check from the student body and split the money up. And if you got a share like you've been doing in the Big Ten, what's it, it's just different. The, the reality is that some teams won't be playing. Maybe that sounds too far-fetched. I am not in favor of this all-for-one, one-for-all. Either they all 14 got to play or nobody plays. You can't move forward with that mindset. You need to veer off of that. To give yourself, uh, your conference, a chance to, to get back on a level playing field and to not have mass exodus, not just this year, of guys that are freshmen or redshirt freshmen, because it's, it's, it, it's, a, it's a blanket immunity deal to go transfer, and you don't lose any eligibility. Your rosters may be gutted by some of your best teams, and that'll have far-reaching impacts on future seasons when we get this thing back on track. You've already had two punches to the face. You already have two black eyes that no matter how much steak and, and ice you put on aren't going to go away anytime soon. You need surgery. You need Ohio State to go play for a championship. And again, this is all based on what medical experts are saying and feeling. If the green light is given in Columbus by their medical people, in Lincoln by the UNMC folks, by Iowa City's people, by the Michigan medical facility, let them go do their thing. And, and, and they're being held hostage. It isn't fair and it's not right. And you have... No clear path forward. The other side of this is you've got an example of a really highly talented and touted kid in, in, in Keyshawn Green that you have to ask yourself, why is, why is he leaving? He ain't playing ball. He's not playing football. And if you're a kid out of Florida and you've had a lot of kids out of Florida that have defected, despite Nebraska's best effort to tell them what can happen and will happen with coaching and camaraderie and chemistry, the long and short of it is it's hard to be away from home in this pandemic when you're not doing what you came here to do. And you can see more issues and defections 
not just on Nebraska, but other rosters. We'll tackle this with Mitch Sherman coming up. Interested in your thoughts? Can you pitch something that would be receptive to the presidents who don't want to play and a commissioner to let those teams that can go forward and play? Mitch Sherman's on the way. Charlie McBride in less than an hour. Greg Smith recruiting. Uh, Great to be back with you on a Tuesday. It's Hale Varsity, and we're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Thanks for spending time. Great to be back with you on Tuesday. It's Hale Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Mitch Sherman joins us from The Athletic. You can read Mitch on The Athletic. Follow him on Twitter at Mitch Sherman. Mitch, how did you spend Saturday? It was supposed to be the season opener. I cried in, in my pillow. <laughs> if I did that, <clears throat> I probably wouldn't admit it right here. But <laughs> let me think. Saturday, what did I do Saturday? Well, I've watched about 10 minutes of football. I don't know, maybe a little more than that. Had some uh, Oscars pizza, went with uh, some friends to Top Golf, uh, the new uh, Omaha attraction on Saturday night. Not what I wanted to be doing on September 5th, I'll tell you that, but a decent day nonetheless. You found other adventures, is what you tell me. I did. Me. I did. Pizza and golf, and, and good for you. Watched a little bit of game day, I took a nap, and then I went to the pool. I mean, I. I managed, and Mitch, as you read into things here, I mean, the uh, rumor mill said vote this morning or vote today, or what do you foresee happening? Never, that, was never, that was never happening. I know, what uh, do you, especially <laughs> after a long holiday weekend. Um, what, what do you foresee here in the next couple, couple three days? I mean, I'm asking you to predict the impossible, and that's read I'm, the mind of the Big Ten. Okay, well... I've been giving this some thought, so I now think, and, and I, I don't, I, I, I wonder, like, what's going on. It's, it's fascinating to me, like, what must be happening, like, minute by minute, every hour in the Big Ten offices in Chicago. Like, are they at their desks? Are they, are they talking about, like, well, how should we run the women's basketball tournament in 2022? Let's look at some sites. I mean, are, mm-hmm. are they, are they, you know, nose to the to the keyboards, like trying to figure out this football thing every minute. I, I, I just don't know what they're doing every day. Um, <laughs> and I've kind of come to theorize now that it's just completely a waiting game. Like for, for Kevin Warren and for the Big Ten presidents, I think they really, really want to see what happens here over the next two weeks because the Big 12 is getting on the field this week. And we've already had a couple games pushed back. And the ACC is getting out there on the field this week. And then at the end of the month, you know, just two weeks from Saturday, the SEC comes on the field. And if all of those things go off and work, and there aren't all kinds of games canceled and, and you know teams that can barely uh, field the roster, if it works, then I think the Big Ten is pushed to the point where it absolutely has to do something. And at that point, I think the soonest they could do it would be November. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, 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 I think, still is like the earliest possible date 
based on everything that's happening right now, everything that we know, all that's involved, they're not going to play football in the Big Ten before the end of November. And if things work out somewhat well in those other three leagues, they're going to they're going to do it. They're going to have to do it. They're going to have to find a way to do it and work through all of the challenges, no matter what. They have to find a way to work through the challenges that caused the presidents to vote for the league to cancel uh, or to postpone mm-hmm. the fall. If it doesn't go off as the SEC, Big 12, and ACC would like, and at the end of September we're sitting here in a mess where those other leagues can't move forward, then I think the Big Ten has, has bought itself some time, and they will maybe start to look more at January as a possible start date. Now, everybody wants to start. I, you know, I, don't, I, don't, I haven't talked to anybody who doesn't want it to start as soon as it possibly can. So let's go full steam ahead toward November. I just don't think anything sooner than that is realistic. My question was this, and, and I've got no founding for it other than just spitballing out loud. And and I know there's bylaws. I know there's 60%. But these are unforeseen times. If you have medical approval and you're Ohio State and you're Nebraska and you're Iowa and you're Penn State and you're Wisconsin, if you can field six to eight teams that say, yes, let's go now so we can try and position for a playoff run in our own state, our own governor, our own health department gives us the thumbs up. Could you break tradition, rank, bylaw and say, you guys, you got our blessing. We've got six or eight schools or excuse me, you've got eight or nine schools that are going to go forward, or you have six or seven or eight that are going to go forward. The rest just can't get approval. You guys go play, make some of the TV partners happy, make some money, uh, stay healthy for sure, and at least position a couple of your three teams in for a playoff discussion. Is there any way that's that's being mulled over, or could it be pitched? I don't, it can be pitched. I don't think the Big Ten would go for it. I, I I'm, I'd be all in favor of that. I, that would be fantastic. I uh, would love to see that. would love to see some of these Big Ten players have a chance to contend for the Heisman Trophy and play in the college football playoff, uh, even if they just get to play eight games, <clears throat> you know, which you could do starting uh, at the end of September, early October, even the middle of October. I don't think the, I don't think the league's going for it. I think the league has shown that it's, they're all in or they're all out. Mm-hmm. And right now they're all out. So if we get to a point where they decide to restart this thing and they say, all right, we're going to try to do it the week of Thanksgiving. And there are a couple schools at that point that are unable to, or say we're not willing to, you know, we're still have these same concerns. That's about the only way I could see the big 10 fracturing or the big 10, you know, breaking into pieces where, certain schools are playing and certain schools aren't playing. And it's unfair to the schools that have wanted to play all along. It's unfair to Nebraska that it wasn't able to play in September if Michigan State, Northwestern, whomever, decides that it wants out and the Big Ten lets it get out in late November. But I think that's just the, the world that we're living in right now, whether it's 
politics or liability or whatever con- just concerns there are, um, I think it's more likely that the way the Big Ten would break apart in a season, and I don't mean the league is breaking apart, mm-hmm. I just mean part of the league is playing and part of it is not. The only way that happens is if you have teams decide to essentially opt out, like we're seeing with players now. Um, the other way where certain teams decide to play and go against the wishes of the league, uh, I, I, that's just, I think it's too far-fetched at this point with everything that, that we've seen over the last, I mean, you can go all the way back to the beginning of this thing. Yeah. You can go all the way back to March. I, I, I have a hard time. It's 2020. Chris, anything can happen. Uh, we've seen that. But I, I, I don't envision the scenario that you, that, that, uh, that you brought up. Playing out. No, I, I don't think it's likely either. It'd just be a nice compromise. I mean, mm-hmm. you opt out, you opt in, and, and you move forward. You get enough of your big dogs that want to push forward. If they get approval, then... Would be nice. I mean, you theoretically then could force the Big Ten's hand, fine, sanction us or boot us, but you're not going to have much left over for people to want to watch on TV. I guess what I, the, the, the way that I would end that, my thoughts on that conversation are, that's not the talk that we, and I say we, like the writers at The Athletic who cover the Big Ten and cover the teams in the Big Ten, that is not the direction of things that, as, as really all of us mm-hmm. see them based on conversations we've had at the, school, at the respective schools and at the league level. Like, if that happens, if they come out and do that, it's going to take a dramatic turnabout. And, and those things happen. Like, they've happened this year. Uh, and the Big Ten canceled its season five days after releasing a schedule. So that's a dramatic turnabout. There's precedent for it. But um, right now, based on the things that, um, you know, the way that people feel and the, the, the momentum, I, I I don't, I don't see the opting in uh, being the direction that the Big Ten's going to go. Mitch, want to get your thoughts on uh, the linebacker spot. Keyshawn Green, very big recruiting win for Nebraska. And Coach Frost in 2020, he has entered the transfer portal. Uh, a comment in reaction to that. And uh, Bayers, the kid out of Jersey, watched a little bit of film on him. He's the verbal for 2021. Uh, what do you like about him? Give me a couple of recruiting thoughts. Yeah, a versatile guy, um, the new the new commit, um, and that's what you're losing in in Keyshawn Green. I, it's it's crazy in, in this year where there's so much happening and yet so much not happening. Um, to have that happen on on Friday afternoon uh, with a guy who was you could you could make a case that he was the most important recruit in the class that he was the most. Uh, decorated guy, you know, Turner Corcoran was up there, the offensive lineman from Kansas, but you want to compare an offensive lineman and a linebacker who can play like seven spots on the field, a kid from Florida who who runs like crazy and picked Florida State, which is like 50 miles from his house, uh, picked Nebraska over mm-hmm. Florida State. Um, you know, it was, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't question anybody who was more excited about Keyshawn Green than any player in Nebraska's class last year. So it's, it's, yeah, it's really tough, but um, he's the third guy from that class from the state of Florida to leave the program during this turbulent off season. Yeah. And I think it's easy to to draw a connection there and say, you know, these guys 
when they come from far away, they, you know, it's always a little bit precarious. Not with everybody, but for so many of those players. You can go back and talk to players from Tommy Frazier's era <clears throat> who came to Nebraska in the 90s. You know, all of them have those moments early in their careers where you question whether it's the right thing to do to uproot your life when you had an opportunity to stay close to home and play for a recognizable, powerful program and come to Lincoln, Nebraska. And, you know, some of those guys didn't make it. And now we're in a, a, a period in college football where transferring is just so, more, so much more acceptable and so much more common. And you throw in this offseason where these players have been quarantined and, you know, put through all kinds of bizarre things that freshmen have never had to endure before. Not surprising at all that you're going to lose a bigger percentage of them than you normally would. And that the guys who are most, most susceptible to, to falling off and, and not staying with the program are guys like Keyshawn Green and Henry Gray and Jaden Francois who came to Nebraska from, from far away. And, and you know, we're, we're, we're living in, in what was like a foreign place to them. So I think if they had football and they had all of the norms and all of the things that 2020 would have brought us that any other year would have brought us without a pandemic. Um, you, you wouldn't see those three guys, uh, all, certainly all three of those guys gone from the program, but they are. And it's a, uh, it's a pretty difficult pill to swallow for Nebraska on the defensive side. Mitch Sherman from the athletic. Good stuff this week from Mitch at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, we'll talk next week. It was awesome to get caught up. Thanks for a few minutes today. Okay. Thanks, Chris. Take care. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show, Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Man, we went too fast with Mitch. We needed another, like, 20 minutes with Mitch Sherman. Good stuff from him. Check the uh, interview portion of uh, Mitch Sherman from the athletic ESPN Lincoln.com. The on-demand section or the ESPN Lincoln Twitter handle. Going to have that posted up from Damon. Damon's a bit quiet today. Damon, are you are you frustrated about your your man, Sir Yacht? I, I'm frustrated that certain things didn't come into fruition over the weekend. You could say so you were you and you and Elijah were going to put money down your money that you'd have some sort of vote and we'd be. We'd be shooting silly string all over each other. Maybe I'd be willing to put more of Elijah's money on that than my own, but it was certainly a, a hope that I, I kind of it, it got the best of me. I think I'm with you. I'm like deflated, and you just don't have the votes, and you've got people dragging their feet, and the biggest concern from the presidents and chancellors is keeping your 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 larger. Paying customer base, paying. It's your students. It's your graduate students. And if I'm Fox, I I am, I'm threatening to kick the Big Ten out of the big boy chair. I already told the the Pac-12 to go to their room. <laughs> what do you got if you have Fox? TCU and oh wait, they're in quarantine. Man, at least we have the NFL. At least we have the NFL. Chiefs, Texans, can't wait for that Thursday. No idea who Deshaun's throwing to. 
But uh, you get Mahomes and nearly 20,000 of his closest buddies to go watch them raise the banner. I think it's already up, but you get what I'm saying. 466-3776-466-3776-800-825. Excuse me, 5865 numbers to get in. Open phones till 5. Charlie McBride and uh, Greg Smith coming up. So you have uh, several politicians, that's Senate leaders, that's speakers from six different states. They have sent a letter to Commissioner Warren. Commissioner Warren said, put it over there with all of the others that are dusty. Lee Chatfield, he's Speaker of the Michigan House of Representatives. He wrote a letter which is signed by nine other Senate and House leaders from Iowa, from Minnesota, from Ohio, from Pennsylvania, from Wisconsin. All 10 lawmakers who signed the letter are Republicans, and the six states they represent include seven Big Ten schools. Of course, the Big Ten announcing August 11th it would postpone fall sports. The League Council of Presidents and Chancellors voting 11-3 to to postpone with Nebraska, Iowa, and Ohio State only being sensible. So this is it. Recent actions taken by other conferences across the country to start football and other fall sports have placed the Big Ten, its members, and students at a disadvantage. The athletes are losing vital part of their student life and becoming less marketable to future employers. Each passing week, additionally, our local universities stand to lose hundreds of millions of dollars that support vital student scholarships. Oh, yeah. There's multi-millions lost with no game day pate. Even if you knock it down to four or five. That is very real math. Harbaugh put on his cleats. Harbaugh put on a mask. You know he was wearing the khakis. I mean, Harbaugh and khakis, it's kind of like Quagmire in the Hawaiian shirt. It just doesn't change. They're probably different pairs of khakis, but it just doesn't change. So even more frustrating is how we think our Big Ten athletic programs are leading the way by providing outstanding health and safety protocols. We're doing what we're supposed to be doing on the name of health and safety with all those millions of dollars in research grants. The letter notes that students, parents, and coaches from the Big Ten have all contacted their state officials with concerns about Big Ten postponement. The current direction is a wrong choice for our area universities and, worst of all, for thousands of local students. So you had Chatfield. He's a former All-American soccer player at Northland International University. Had this prepared statement. Does it move the needle at all? Yet another tweet Sunday from Trump. President Trump, football looking really good but may lose Michigan, Illinois, and Maryland because of those governors' ridiculous lack of interest or political support. Will they play without them? Question mark. 
It wasn't capitalized. It wasn't a screaming tweet. I don't know what else you can do other than vote the clowns that are in charge out. That's got to come with well, political pressure. And it's got to come from governors who will threaten to cut funding. But they won't do that. And I don't want I don't want that to be the nuclear option. We'll dive into some NFL projections and predictions here uh, around 540. Uh, Damon and I will tell you who's going to the playoffs. Damon and I will tell you who's going to the Super Bowl. And, you know, how about this? You had a number of Huskers find their way onto rosters. Yeah, the, the, the Davis twins were late-round draft picks, and I was really happy to see Khalil land on Tampa, made the 53-man. That's impressive. That's hard. That is hard to do. It's hard to make that roster and that defensive line, and it's really hard to do it as a sixth-round pick. He is fantastic, and he'll be playing in position, not out of position. But you go with what you got. You've got Carlos in Pittsburgh. And then you got uh, Darian Daniels that, that made the practice squad. Happy for Lamar Jackson as well. Lamar's no doubt a little frustrated he didn't make the squad, but at least he got re-signed. At least he got re-signed to be on the, the practice squad. Same for Stanley Morgan. That sucks for Stan He's a guy that got elevated to the uh, to the to the game day roster later on in the season after his rookie year. But Stan's a guy they love, and don't don't kid yourself. He may find his way onto the active roster, depending on what happens. Cincinnati's got a lot of wideouts, so there's that. We'll wind down hour one. Tale of Our City Radio. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. What final time we have moved the uh, Monday with Charlie to a Tuesday with Charlie. Coach McBride coming up in 10 minutes. See how his uh, Labor Day weekend went. Thoughts on football moving forward. Reminder about drinking and driving. One out of three fatal crashes involves an impaired driver. Driving drunk buzzed or highs, never acceptable, and law enforcement officers working around the clock to stop that with sobriety checkpoints and saturation patrols. As a driver, make that correct choice. A non-alcoholic drink and have a pre-selected designated driver. Be smart. Start the conversation. Who's driving home? Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. So Austin Ward, formerly with ESPN, he uh, covers Ohio State. He is citing multiple sources confirming uh, to Letterman Row, and that's who he works for now, covering Ohio State, that the Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren remains in contact with White House officials. But the league has not accepted any COVID 19 tests or made any additional requests for help to play ball this fall. 
Reach out. Please. This is getting awful. It's already beyond. Okay, so uh, we will talk a little bit about recruiting and that homesick factor that I think Nebraska's run into with a lot of the Florida kids. Uh, We will talk about this defense and kind of the body build type they're going after for, for linebacker. And you've got athletes. And with with Bayer, this backer they got out of Jersey, he is so good side to side. He's 6'2", he's 220. And a really nice write-up by Greg Smith uh, on Bayer with his high school coach. But uh, just kind of a, a you're going after an athlete that, is physical and tough. And and you had a guy that can play a lot of spots for you in green that left the program and that makes you sick if you're a Nebraska fan. You wish him well, man. Because the reality is this. You've got kids that get here from all different parts of the country and the thing that really makes them tick, that makes them just who they are, they're more than football guys, obviously. But the thing they love doing, if you get a right kid, they love playing ball. They love practicing. They love hitting. They love tackling. And they want 90000 on their feet. What wasn't going to happen this year with the 90000 part. But man, oh man, to not have ball and to kind of sit back and go, you know, what am I doing here? I get it. Totally get it. So we'll get into some of the nuances defensively with body type and size and speed and what Nebraska's been targeting. Excited to chat about that with uh, Coach McBride. Greg Smith will have a full recruiting rundown. So Nebraska in the market for a nose guard? You bet they are. Is one on the radar? Yeah. Is one close to being off the radar and in red. Nebraska's battling for a couple of big-time nose guards as part of this 2021 class. Greg Smith on the way. Hour 2 next to Tail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Thanks for hanging out. Hour two at Tail Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt. Damon Barr is in. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio or at Damon Barr. That's two R's. Coming up, some recruiting thoughts with Greg Smith. We welcome in Mr. Blackshirt. It's a Monday turned into Tuesday with Charlie. We say hi to Coach Charlie McBride. Coach, how was the holiday weekend? How you doing? Oh, it was good. It, um... My son came, one of them came from Arizona for the weekend, and the other, uh, Jared Tomich and his family, came over for uh, three days, and we just uh, sat here and um, took our diets and threw them out the window. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what I like to hear, and and Tomich has a farm, doesn't he? 
Huh? I said Tomich has a farm, doesn't he? Yep, he does. Well, my my point is, did he bring the meat, or did you provide? Oh no, he bring no. Listen, he cook. He loves to cook, so he he brings the meat. He cooks, and uh, you know we went all the way from what they call tri tips to um, brats to Ooh. you know the next day and corn and you know the whole the whole deal. And um, you know nobody could. Everybody had to go for a walk after dinner. <laughs> I bet. Well, that sounds that sounds awesome. How how is Old Tomich doing? Good, 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 good. He's in great shape. He's uh, lost probably about thirty pounds, and uh, maybe even a little more over the last year. And he's he's doing good. He looks good. That's awesome. So you're telling me he can go get a go get a, a sack for you? Yeah, he'll. He, he, He'll, he'll, all you have to do is just tell him what you know to get a sack, and he goes and gets one. Okay. Well, there you, <laughs> it's easy, easy. Can he go get a? Can he go get a commissioner to change his mind? Let's 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 take no, it a step he further. <laughs> he was a little. Uh, he was. You know. I mean, he feels the same way. He's, uh, you know, it's kind of a. You go through a period of, I guess, of getting a little sore. You mm-hmm. know, upset and. Pretty soon, you just feel sorry for the guys. I, you know, it's it's a, you know, it's a it's a shame that um, they can't at least try and find out how it works because uh, you know it seems like other schools are doing it and and testing and doing the things that need to be done and you know I'm sure that somebody will maybe get sick along the way or you know I know that one school they had said there were so many guys, and then the test didn't come out right. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it looked like it was a set-up deal, you know. I mean, and trying to, you know, they're just trying to do something to to disrupt it, um, you know, and it seems like they're doing that in all the cities and everything else around. But uh, I think I think I feel good about all the teams that are playing, you know. I mean, I mm-hmm. they got some guts, and they, they did it in the Big Ten has a few schools that lost their guts and, you know, this, their presidents decided that they were, you know, they didn't want to take a chance, and that's the way it goes. Charlie McBride's with us Mondays with Charlie. Uh, we're talking to Coach on a Tuesday, a holiday weekend. So, Coach, what do you do if you're Coach Frost when it comes to, to keeping the kids' morale up, to keep them motivated? Well, I think it's hard. I mean, I think you. I mean, you, a good example is, you know, I think in the last day or two, you've lost a, a, a good player that decided that heck, he's going to go somewhere where they're going to play. He doesn't. He didn't know for sure. I don't know. The reason is, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't. Uh, you know, I've always had a feeling that those kind of people uh, are thinking about nothing but themselves. Uh, you know, if you want to use the word disloyal, then that's fine. I've always thought a commitment was a commitment, but it doesn't seem like it is anymore with some of them. And most of those guys end up, you know, not doing anything. You know, and and, and a lot of people realize that. And I think other coaches, head coaches that have winning teams, uh, you know, look at guys that quit somewhere and are coming over want to come to play for you they don't they don't take them i mean um you know so it's it's kind of a it's kind of a 
strange thing, but I think there's a lot of coaches that just have, you know, have that built in their in their program that uh, they're not going to take quitters from other schools. I look at Keyshawn Green, and I think there is some family stuff going on. He's uh, quite a ways from home, and Nebraska did a, a marvelous job to get him here. They beat Florida State, and they beat Miami out for him. I don't know where Green's going to end up, but, man, he, he was going to be – could have been something really nice for Nebraska. Coach, you've had to deal with a lot of kids over a lot of years – and say you get a kid out of California or Texas or Jersey or, or Florida, and right. they always kind of have a, a moment, don't they, where they, they get right. homesick. How did, how did you deal with uh, that? No, no, that's, uh, that's par for the course. I, I mean, I remember doing the same thing, you know. And then, and then you know, you got this thing that uh, your co- uh, the coaches that recruited us uh, in my class, mm-hmm. um, was fired after our freshman year, and uh, he had a winning record. And but he got fired because he couldn't beat Oklahoma. So, and then he lost a game to the Air Force Academy, which wasn't a good idea in Colorado. So, uh, <laughs> not. that that kind of ended up. But you know, there were some thoughts there. You know, of, and then you you know the guys. We all a lot of us just sat down and said, "What are we thinking of?" You know, I mean. You know, we came here because we wanted to be here, and um, and so that was that was that that turned out to be nothing but a thought, and uh, you know that that's just the way a lot of people think. I think it's just the shock of being away from home for the first time. A lot of them, especially, uh, realize that uh, you know maybe that uh, you know I. I've, I just feel more comfortable there. I think a lot of times when players go from the north to the south mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, get in a school that has heavily, heavily populated from, from that particular state, it's a tough, it's tough duty, you know, to do that unless you're, you know, like great quarterback like they had at LSU, you know, and a thing like that, that, that's a different deal. But, you know, just the normal position player comes down and, uh, you know it's kind of hard uh, to do to do that. So maybe he he got you know involved more with his you know family a little bit, mm-hmm. and, and you know maybe went did it with their will. I mean sure. you know they they wanted them to do it, and that might be the thing you know that that, that turned it over. Did you were there a couple of instances you remember about? kids that ended up having really good careers at Nebraska, but man, it felt like you, you maybe were going to lose them because they were, they just weren't, well, weren't, weren't real I, confident. Yeah. yeah. I think in the, in the, in the beginning, it, it, it's, it's that way. And it's especially with the kids, you know, that are away from home. Mm-hmm. I mean, from California and from New Jersey or from the East coast. I remember one year, in particular, we recruited, uh, I think we took four, we had four players in the state uh, that we scholarshiped. And I don't remember whether we had 18 scholarships or what it was that we could give at the time. But we, every player other than those four players touched either an ocean or a, a, a um, uh boundary line from, say, Minnesota to Canada and so forth. 
and and New Mexico to to Mexico. You know, they were all. It was like a big circle with a vacuum in the middle. Yeah, there wasn't any Kansas City kids or any Missouri kids. It was all Florida, East Coast, North, Minnesota, Montana. You know, and you can go back and, and you look at those classes and see that, and that's that's weird. You know, but I don't remember. I you know off the top of my head I I don't remember a kid just leaving mm-hmm. I, I I don't you know that said I you know I'm homesick and I want to go you know I want to go home and things like that I'm sure there were mm-hmm. I mean I I just can't off the top of my head remember anybody that did it but but you know all over all the years that I was there there has to have been one or two that probably did sure. but it wasn't a common thing well, and it sounds to me like while you were at Nebraska, you had a lot of the a lot of the teammates kind of helped put people at ease or talk yeah. them out oh, of it. Right? Of, they took them. They took them out to their their farms and took them to their homes and things like that. You know, uh, you know. I remember guys riding, saying they the first time they ever ridden a horse before, or they, you know. Been on a tractor, or you know, I mean, it's really kind of interesting. And some of them that, you know, uh, were hunters, you know, like to hunt. Um, you know, we had a lot of guys that were, you know, that were hunters before they came. Mm-hmm. You know, some of a lot of the kids, especially from Iowa and and uh, you know, and in, in Montana and things like that, where they did a lot of hunting, and um, you know, so they a lot of them went back and did some hunting on the weekends as it was. Charlie McBride's with us. Coach, I want to switch gears over to some NFL and uh, get your thoughts. First on on the Davis twins, they were both late-round picks, but they both made the 53-man roster. Not the practice squad. They made the roster. Khalil made the Tampa roster, and uh, you had Carlos make the Pittsburgh roster. And it's not that they couldn't do it or, or aren't highly talented kids. It's just hard to do that late as a draft pick versus being a first three round guy. What do you think of their, their situations here, knowing Pittsburgh like you do and knowing Tampa like you do? Yeah, you know, it's a, it's kind of a funny thing. You know, they probably would have been, been, you know, gone higher had, had you had a winning team. I mean, it's yeah. just that way it is. You know, it's just kind of strange. But when you look at the film, that the winning and losing is kind of a put a, put aside a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, that you, you, and your ability that shows, you know, is the biggest thing. Because, you know, there's a lot of guys that, uh, that, are, that are playing in the NFL now that you wouldn't think, you know, at, uh, from their publicity and so on and so forth, you know, wouldn't make it and, and, are, and are good players, you know, that are really good players. And, I, and it, it's really common. And then, I think a lot of times, especially in uh, special teams, when you start out in the NFL, it's it's pretty much you know if you're a backup guy, you're a special teams guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of those guys, they find out how good some of them are, and they can't can't get rid of them. Um, we, we've had a few kids that have gone on and played, uh, you know, uh, 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 you know, at different teams and and made it because of their special teams ability. And I noticed Kalu yesterday; he mm-hmm. blocked a kick. 
you know, with Tennessee. And, uh, you know, that's a big deal. I mean, guys that can have a knack for doing that, uh, it, it, they find out about that in, the, in, in their camps. And, and some kids, you know, they could, yeah, they could be an all-pro player and a special teams all-pro player. Uh, so, so it, you know, it works. It works out in funny, different ways. You know, when you when you make the team. But those kids had the ability. I mean, there wasn't any question about it. They could run. You know, and that's a big thing in the NFL. They could run, and and uh, you know, they they were athletic, and 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 they see potential in them. You know, they make may cut loose a guy that you know they just don't think he's got the potential that they do. And maybe at the time the guy's a better player, but they're they're going to go with what they think's going to, you know, produce in the half half. And and the other thing is is their intelligence, uh, you know, learning, le- being able to learn things, you know, on on the fly. A lot of times when you when you're a rookie, it's a, you know, it's a hard thing to do. A lot of guys get cut just because they can't learn the stuff mm-hmm. quick enough, and there's they have no choice. And, and then they turn out to be a good player somewhere else because they've now they're getting into it and they're starting to realize what it's all about and they really start, you know, studying and figuring it out. Some guys just go and think, well, I'm going to make it because of my ability, but you have to, you can't make mistakes. I mean, you know, <laughs> that's a big deal, you know, when you're in the, in the NFL. Charlie McBride's with us Mondays with Charlie. Coach, uh, we will chat with you next Monday, and maybe we'll have some more news on the Big Ten, and we'll talk a little pro football. Well, How's that sound? Let's just hope it all works out for these kids. I mean, it's really important to them and their families, I think. So I don't know, but we'll be hoping that, you know, there's there's some maybe some – presidents calling other presidents and talking to them a little bit that'd be good you know but i think the financial thing is is the, is the biggest thing too mm. and so that 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 goes some takes some places and you you see right now that there are schools dropping having to drop you know you know uh, varsity sports you know i mean big and it, that's that's not fair no. and it's just you know Okay, I'll talk to you next week. Coach, you take care. It's good to chat with you. Okay, thanks for having me. Bye now. There he is, Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride, Mondays with Charlie. Some great insight there on the Davis Twins, their situation, and the why. You know how they can make a team. Their uh, upside, and that was the talk. Hey, they they could be steals. Well, good for those two. Uh, Getting... The uh, 53-man roster, nod. And uh, we'll see if uh, there is some Big Ten thoughts. We'll hit recruiting next. Greg Smith's on the way. It's Hale Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut Pre-teen Swedish boy. Okay, we've got Colorado news. They have partnered up with a wagering service, although they're not playing. And K-State says, you know what? 11,000 fans can watch Saturday. Let's welcome in Greg Smith, recruiting insider, HaleVarsity.com and magazine at Greg Smith HV on Twitter. 
Greg, I got to figure out what was on the grill this holiday weekend. Oh, man. So I had a taste for some ribs for, for quite a while, so we threw some ribs on the smoker. Uh, and that's what, that's what we got after this weekend. Good for you. Uh, baby back or you do St. Louis? Uh, went baby back this time. I usually do St. Louis. I, I, just, I just prefer St. Louis for some reason. I know a lot of people like baby back, um, but I want a baby back this time. So that's what I went with. A little Dr. Pepper marinating okay. in there. Like, that's pretty yeah. good. Well, good, man. Good, man. Well, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, no time like, you know, Friday night to say, hey, I'm I'm in. Nebraska getting another commit for uh, the 2021 class. Makai Bayer is uh, is in. You spoke with his coach. Give us the uh, the lowdown here on what Nebraska got. Yeah, Nebraska got a kid out of, another kid out of Jersey, uh, 6'2", 220, you know, start off in the inside linebacker room with uh, Barrett Rude. Um, and his coach, kind of, he raved about his versatility. He said he lines up at defensive end for him, lines up at inside linebacker, outside linebacker, a little bit of everywhere, just because offensive coordinators put so much attention um, towards making sure they game plan around him. But interestingly enough, that wasn't the thing that necessarily caught my eye, even though that was great in and of itself. It was that his coach told me that uh, Nebraska staff sees Makai as, as a guy that could be a future captain in Lincoln um, just based off of his leadership skills the, the way that he handled his business during the recruiting process um, in particular like some of the questions that he was asking of current players about kind of the work ethic of the team and kind of you know how they like to go about their business um, week in and week out they were really impressed with him on and off the field. So instead of the, the vetting process hey uh, are you uh Am I a fit for you? It was kind of flipped around. Are you a fit for me? Because it sounds like Bayer's standards are pretty high. He's a Jersey tough kid. You've got the size. But when it comes to just that mentality, he's a guy and you hear it all the time. And it's not a cliche, but it's more of a lifestyle requirement to play football at Nebraska. Do you love the game? He sounds like he fits that pretty well. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's funny when, when his coach told me that, it reminded me, actually, uh, Thomas Fedoni said something really uh, similar recently where he said that he was talking to some guys on the team and some of the coaches and saying that, you know, I know that they've been getting extra work in, so I know that they like to work. And we've talked a lot about how Fedoni likes to work, and that's kind of his thing, right? Um, and so the more of these types of kids that you can get on Nebraska's side, uh, the better off things will be all around for the program. What sticks out on film about about Bayer and when you kind of pinpoint him at Nebraska, you mentioned the versatility, but uh, inside backer, where do you think he can thrive? Why do you think he can thrive at that spot? And what are some alternatives here? What what did you like most about his film? Yeah, one of the things is he moves very well laterally. Um, He's good side to side. He's good in coverage. Um, And he's good blitzing as well. They run a defense um, that likes to get after you, likes to attack. They like to disguise. So you know he's got a high football IQ as well. Um, But it really jumps off that he's sudden. He can really, you know, close the gap quickly. Um, And that lateral quickness and movement is something that I think that will come in a lot of handy for Nebraska down the road. Greg, uh, who did Nebraska beat out for him? 
Oh, Michigan State was, was the, the closest team probably in West Virginia. Um, those were the two teams that he was most considering kind of down the stretch. I know it was a little bit of a surprise when he kind of took one of those super unofficial visits to Lincoln uh, to kind of check things out on zone so he could just see campus. Um, and he was supposed to go to Michigan State to do the same thing right after that, change his plans and actually went to West Virginia instead. And that caught some Sparty folks off guard. Uh, but those were really the two teams that, that Nebraska most closely beat out. You know, when it comes to body type and, and athleticism, you know, what does Coach Rude want in that room? What does Coach Chenander want from a body type? And, and same with Frost here. What, what do you need to have with you if you're coming from Irvington, New Jersey, to play inside? Yeah, I, I think that you need to have speed more so than ever. I think that one of the things that Nebraska's coaching staff has kind of learned um, – here and there and they're going around in the Big Ten is that yes, in a lot of ways it's still kind of the traditional Big Ten. But on the other hand, these offensive coaches in this league and the teams in this league are so good um at being able to key in on weaknesses and if they know that your backers can't run laterally um or kinda or can't cover as we've seen uh in recent years here with some struggles of pass coverage, um they want to get that cleaned up. So I think it's a prerequisite now that it's not just, you know, your defensive backs or your outside backers that need to be able to run. You need to be able to go uh, at inside backer as well. You need to be a smart football player so you know how to anticipate um, and read and react to plays as well. Does he remind you of anybody? Boy, well, also the kid that Nebraska didn't get, um, he reminds me of Malik Reed who actually went to Wisconsin um, from last year's class. I'm trying to think of a guy that he reminds me of that's playing on Saturdays. I'm kind of drawing a blank, but I just remember thinking that he reminded me of Malik Reed who we talked about out of Arizona quite a bit last year. Well, you know what? That's okay to say, hey, he's kind of like a Wisconsin banker. I mean, people <laughs> right. will be like, yeah, that's all good. Greg Smith is with us, recruiting insider, HaleWashCity.com and Magazine. Greg, uh, as we look at, at Nebraska here winding things down, I want to get your take here before we jump into, you know, some of the needs for Nebraska to round out 2021. Uh, what's your assessment here on Keyshawn Green? What's what's the story? Boy, it's a tough situation. And I think that where when guys come to Lincoln or anywhere, really, as you've kind of seen it a little bit around college football, you know, you got young players leaving faster than ever. Um, and when you don't have football and you don't have that structure, it's a heck of a lot easier to get homesick or to notice those things that you may not like as much about the town that you just came to versus where you came from in Florida in particular, right? Um, so I think that not having that structure and not being able to get being in the mode to prepare for games um, really hurt that just magnifies any of that homesickness that you might be feeling. And I think that that might have been a situation where that ended up getting Nebraska uh, in the end with Keyshawn. Is Keyshawn a guy that may be burnt out? Possibly. Um, I think that there is a chance that, you know, you don't see him play anymore, um, which would be – uh, too bad for him. I don't want to say, yeah, it would be too bad because I don't even know the word just because you think of a guy that had as much promise and potential as he did, you know, kind of went to the All American Bowl down in San Antonio and played really well, was a standout in that game, a kid that Nebraska thought had all conference type of potential. Um, th- that would be a really unfortunate turn of events for us. Greg, uh, Nebraska, how many, how many slots are left and what is the radar looking like this week or? Maybe in the next seven to ten days uh, for Nebraska on the defensive side here. What are you feeling? Yeah, so I 
feel like the target is moving, right? So we, we often we talk about, hey, like this is the number that they're looking out for now. Um, and I'm, I'm still trying to gather intel, but I think that Nebraska's number may be increasing a little bit here. As we, I thought earlier um, or late last week that they might be looking at only maybe four more spots left. They might be looking at six or so now and looking to inch towards being able to take a full boat again. And if that's the case, then I'm just going to go ahead and chalk it up to them always finding a way to take a full boat because mm-hmm. we have enough evidence um, with this coaching staff. But I think that basically you're looking at all defense just about unless something unique presents itself on the offensive side of the football. Um, you're looking at a lot of defense. You need two defensive linemen um, still in this class. You probably need one more linebacker, particularly an outside backer. And then based on the attrition in the secondary, you might need another uh, secondary player as well. Talk to me about Buckley and talk to me about Sevilla, the, uh, the, the nose tackle. Where's Nebraska stand with Sevilla? Is he, is he California or Utah? Forgive me. He is uh, Nevada, actually. Huh. Vegas. So I was not even close. <laughs> you were in the region. I'll give you that. <laughs> I was going to throw you a lifeline there. Um, uh, I think the negatory. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's in the, in the radius. It's draw a circle. Um, I think Nebraska's in a good spot with him. Uh, he's a really good player um, out west. Uh, probably, what, 6'3", 300 pounds, um, getting ready for his senior season. Um, I think Nebraska was battling USC, but I think Nebraska has a lead at this point. But the longer it goes without him actually making it a public announcement, um, the more you start to white-knuckle that, just as you would in any other situation like that. Um, Ruquan Buckley uh, is a guy that I think he wants to make a decision October 14th, if I remember that date right, without looking at the message he sent me. Um, and I think Nebraska's in pole position in that case, to Michigan State uh, made a push or making a push for him to try to keep him home. They were a little later to the party when Mel Tucker took over. But I think that he's got a good rapport with Nebraska's recruits. And also, he's loved Tony Tuioti throughout this entire process. Um, and I like uh, Tuioti and Nebraska to get that one done as well. Good enough, man. So, Savea, maybe, and uh, Buckley, you're feeling good about. Any other any outside linebacker surprise or defensive back that folks need to be listening for? I th- I think you're, it, at this point it would be a surprise with outside linebacker. We'll see kind of how that goes. There's a couple of kids out in Hawaii that they're chasing. Um, there is a defensive back uh, in Tennessee that we talked about before, John House, um, who took one of those unofficial visits or very unofficial visits to Lincoln uh, on his own, and Nebraska kind of battling Michigan and some others for him. Um, we'll, we'll kind of see how that shakes out, but I think Nebraska's in a pretty good position with him as well. What do we hear, if anything, this week from the Big Ten? We've heard from the president. We've heard from leaders uh, around the uh, the different states, six different states, and we're talking Senate uh, leaders within the state, but we've got nothing from Warren. This stupid vote was supposed to happen this morning. Didn't. Is it just uh, you know deaf ears, so to speak, here this week? Or something's got to happen to move forward or at least – stand on the sideline there's got to be some sort of answer isn't there yeah so if you're going by kind of logic right and this has not had a ton of logic throughout the whole thing you would think that something needs to be said this week it is very odd to me no matter what decision you're going to make that basically everyone in a position of leadership in the big 10 has kind of gone underground and we don't know 
what they're thinking. Mm-hmm. Like I, under, I, I kind of understand that they don't want this just playing out publicly, wildly, and going back and forth because of what happened last time with the schedule show and all of that. Um, but they're going to have to make some sort of announcement either way this week, you would think. Um, it, it would be really, really weird otherwise because there's only so much time that you can continue to play this out because either way you go, the teams also need to know what they're getting prepared for. They need some sort of schedule and structure going forward. Greg, can I keep you two minutes, two minutes only on the other side? I need to ask you about uh, that, that dreaded A-word, attrition. <laughs> yeah, sure, that's fine. All right, Greg Smith, more with Greg uh, shortly on Hale Varsity. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. We've got an extended, a little overtime with Greg Smith. Now, Greg, nothing's on the smoker or grill. It was too wet out, right? I'm not, I'm not hurting dinner time. No, you're not. I'm actually it's a sore subject in my household. We're just gonna we're gonna do some burgers and chicken for tomorrow, but thanks, Mother Nature. Yeah, dude, Mother Nature's been a nightmare. <laughs> we did uh we did steak, got the new grill. We, we we had a moment of thank you for the old grill that went out to the curb today. Nine years. <laughs> so the new one uh got fired up last night. It was great. Pretty tasty, and uh, we'll see what we can can figure out today. Attrition is where I want to go. Your level of concern, 10 being, oh, no, DEFCON time. One being, eh, not going to happen. Where are you at with with potential future departures, either uh, guys that have been in the program for a while or new kids because, hey, we're not playing football? Um, I would probably put it at a – four or a five like mm. it's not anything like where i'm i would be super worried but i do feel like given you know the little bit that we've seen or medium bit that we've seen here um since this last recruiting class came to town with the uncertainty kind of twirling around the conference like i do think that it has to be a little in your mind a little bit um it, it's just going to be it's just going to be odd though to track because there's only so many places the kids are going to be able to go um especially if they're if they want to stay at the power five level uh to be able to go and play right away even though a lot of people are getting waivers these days um it's more about the scholarship spots that teams have like nebraska ran into this problem itself trying to bring guys in and that's why you've seen a lot of walk-on additions versus scholarship mm-hmm. additions so that's going to make that difficult you know, I, I think Coach Fisher and, and Frost, they, they do a, a great job with the kids trying to put them at ease, even though, listen, man, I mean, do you get the sense or the feel or do your little birds tell you that has there been a high level of frustration with, with continuing to practice or how do you how do you handle that animal? Oh, I, I do think that that's a growing frustration, um, especially because if you're – think about it, If you're on the team, like, you, A, you have to be frustrated already by the entire situation that you're not playing. B, you look around and you see other conferences playing right or wrong. That's going to be frustrating. And then you don't have communication from the league office. You didn't have great communication with them to begin with. Um, and so you don't know when you're going to be playing. Is it October? Is it November? Is it January? Maybe is it not until – you know when the next season would have kicked off next fall like it's it's really difficult mentally to continue to get prepared for that and to really put your all into whatever 20 hours whatever you're doing in the 20 hours a week that you're kind of allotted and I think people can understand that um, and I don't blame them for being frustrated in that situation 
Greg, we'll uh, keep in touch. Thanks for the awesome work and, and coverage on recruiting, and we'll chat again soon. Appreciate your time. Hey, thanks as always, and you guys have a good day. All right, there he is, Greg Smith, recruiting insider. HailVarsity.com and Magazine. We will talk some NFL now, and we bring in the wise Damon Barr. Damon, who is going to be the, the biggest tease this year? I will give you mine. You give me yours. Then we can all move forward. Is there somebody you are all in on, my friend, or are you just like, hey, it's football, I'm going to watch, and that's that? Uh, I kind of decided I have my eyes on three teams this year. Um, one, my Chargers. It's just your Chargers. I can't now. can't stay away from them. I don't have high hopes. It's been a rough stretch for um, Charger fandom everywhere. So not exactly a tease going into this year. But it's going to tease me how <laughs> frustrating it is playing in the West. Are they a playoff team? I don't think so. I don't think they they have what it takes this year. They're going to need a little more time. My other team. I'm looking for in the AFC is the Bengals just because I want to see what Joe Burrow could do. He was one of my probably favorite players mm-hmm. in college football last year. I hope that translates to the pros and the well, band- close personal friends with him. So exactly. Okay. Yeah. Me and my best friend, Joe. And then uh, I'm looking at Tampa Bay just because it gives me a, a chance to root for Tom Brady, which I haven't done in about since they went 16-0. and I think when I was a kid, that was a moment when I was like, yeah, I won't be a Pats fan because they're too good. They don't need me to be a fan. So I'm excited to see what he does in Tampa Bay. I, how, about, how about Levante David and Indomitian Sue? That helps. They will, well, I mean, they're going to be on TV every week now. Sue's used to it. Brady's certainly used to it. Gronk's a big, dumb animal, and we love him. So, yeah, I mean, I'm going to get uh, – we are going to get New Orleans – and we're going to get Drew Brees, and we're going to get the old man bowl, <laughs> All right? It's it's thinning hairlines and comb-overs and, and Ben Gay. That's what we're going to get in the afternoon time slot with Fox, with New Orleans and Tampa. That's awesome. And it's going to be 45-38 probably. I'm good with that. We also get Green Bay and Minnesota to kick things off. Who am I watching? I am watching Green Bay. I don't know that they go 13-3 and three again, but I, I'm excited to watch this may, maybe swan song with Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers. Do I get a, a repeat from Kansas City, or is there a bit of a Super Bowl hangover? Because they are awesome to watch, and they got old Clyde to dump the football off to, along with the, the receiving core. And then what's Cleveland like? <laughs> We have, we have not dove into the uh, OBJ story of the day. And, and, and I don't want to accuse anybody of being, you know, fetish guy. <laughs> Tagged and nicknamed with a horrible act in the, in the town he's playing in. <laughs> so we'll just leave, we'll just dance around that one today. But in in all honesty, I want to see what happens in Cleveland. I'm with you in Cincinnati. Just, you know, how bad is it for Joe Burrow with his offensive line? Because he's got dudes to to throw to and hand off to. Uh, Gruden back in in Vegas and back in the NFL is going to be sweet. Uh, Phillip Rivers in Indy is kind of tasty. Miami, is this the year they jump up? What happens in Tennessee? Right? I mean, they just got clowny. 
the uh, the NFC West is still awesome because San Fran's loaded. Seattle's really good. Arizona's fun, and I love Kyler Murray. I thought he really had a good rookie year. And then what do the Rams do? I mean, they still have Goff. They moved on from from Gurley. So I'm I'm interested in Tampa. I'm interested in Cleveland. And is is Lamar and Baltimore? Do they build on and do they learn from last last year? The other thing of it too is, and I know <clears throat> there are several donkey fans out there. Is 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 Mister Locke the guy to to open up your offense and chuck the football around? Because if Denver's good, I mean, you get Kansas City, Denver twice a year, and and maybe there's some points scored. So I'm there. I think from a Super Bowl standpoint, is Dallas your your favorite in the NFC North or East or whatever it is now? Probably. Uh, is Minnesota ready to go? Is Green Bay there? I've really got to really look at either New Orleans with their offense. It's either going to be New Orleans or probably San Fran. I, I'd love to see Tampa go. I just don't know that they can do it yet and if you're Tampa when does it all gel for you offensively because if you can keep that that party together for two years I think you're all right but I think it's Kansas City and Baltimore those are your two best teams shocker miss us come here brother give me a hug bring it in for the real thing we're on call for you catch the podcast at hailvarsity.com the espn lincoln app or download them on itunes saddle up partner back to hail varsity radio one final time we do have a randy gregory update saw on social media recently that he's been reinstated we're big randy gregory fans here and you have conditional reinstatement that just coming down about an hour ago. So not only has he been reinstated, but the Cowboys have given Randy Gregory an extension. It's a one-year extension through 2021. That includes a $200,000 signing bonus that per multiple sources. And Gregory and the Cowboys agreed to a similar extension last season, but the NFL disapproved it because... Suspended players cannot sign new deals. So, the Gregory reported to the uh, the star for the first time on Monday for COVID testing. He will be able to participate in workouts and in meetings, but not practice till October 5th. He's eligible to return to game action October 25th at Washington because he's on the commissioner's exempt list. He is being paid, so Gregory set to make $955,000. This is part of his rookie deal, but he's essentially been fronted some signing bonus money after not earning a salary last year. If he's uh, on the game day roster for six games in 2020, could make up to 20, uh, hold on, could make up to $2.1 million in 2021. So you had Randy that was on indefinite suspension for multiple violations of the league's substance abuse policy. That goes back five years. When when Reg, when when Randy was playing, he played 14 games in 2018. He finished with six sacks, second on the team. He has missed 30 or 32 regular season games between 16 and 17 due to suspension. 
and he played in only 28 of the possible 80 regular season games. So you've got McCarthy and Nolan. They've not had any talks, but they're excited to see Randy. You have Marinelli that's that is not there any longer because he was there and part of the draft pick. And it was really good to hear from Randy the week before the draft when we had him on. Haven't had much contact with him since, and that's been a while back, but always love sitting down with the guy at uh, at the stadium on, on media days and just talk, man. He's a good dude, and I hope those demons stay away because he's a talent, and I, I hope the you know, he's been pretty upfront with the mental health side of things for him. So good on Randy getting reinstated. Go do your thing, RG, and uh, let's stay in the league and make some plays. More importantly, do your thing off the field and stay straight and narrow and uh, with that support group around you. So good news for Randy Gregory, good news for Malik Collins, the uh, one of the captains voted on by his peers as part of the Vegas uh, captains for, for Chucky and company. So good on, uh, on Malik. We are done. Quick show, good show. Thanks to Charlie McBride. Catch his interview and thoughts on homesickness with uh, recruits and players. Mitch Sherman's phenomenal. Good to get caught up with him. Greg Smith nailed it as always with recruiting. Back at it tomorrow, 4 o'clock with Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. See ya.